0: God is at work through his local church and through the teaching of his word. This morning on MyBridge Radio, we are pleased to share a favorite message from Carney E. Free. Here's Pastor Adrian Boykin. Frank Lawback was an amazing early 20th century missionary to the Philippines. And he was an expert in languages and literacy, and his specific call was to reach Muslim people in the Philippines with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And his means for that call was literacy. Engaging in children who were illiterate, teaching them, and starting a wonderful literacy program called Each One, Teach One. His heart broke over the poverty, over the illiteracy, over the hopelessness, and over the eternal state of the Muslims he was trying to reach, And so he prayed and he labored for the expansion of the kingdom of God in the Philippines and then in other nations as well through his literacy program. He served in the Philippines on the ground, a missionary from Pennsylvania, for four decades. And over time, his great program, Each One Teach One, was used by some 60 million people in 34 nations Lobach developed the nickname the Apostle to the Illiterates. How did he do this? How did he maintain this mission, this focus from the comfort of his United States home, giving all up and going to the Philippines and living there on the ground for four decades serving illiterates from another nation, another culture, another religion? How did he do it? Here's how he did it. He made it his aim to think on Christ and think on Christ's kingdom once a minute throughout his waking hours. He understood so well that there's a gravitational pull toward this world, is there not? There's a gravitational pull toward this world that he had to fight against that and to orient his mind's thinking toward the kingdom of God Thinking of Christ, following him once a minute. And with the heart, with a mind, so surrendered to Christ, Lawback was used mightily by God for his kingdom, for children in the Philippines and many, many other nations as they found literacy and basic hope, and in many cases, they found Christ as well. Friends, we, we all know that Jesus' kingdom was active and it was moving forward in the first century. You read the book of Acts, you... You can't mistake that. I think most of us, if we're Christ followers today, know that Christ's kingdom was moving forward in the 16th century during the Protestant Reformation. And we know that Christ's kingdom was moving forward during the great awakening of the 18th century and the second great awakening in the 19th century and through the modern missionary movement of the 19th and the 20th century with missionaries like Frank Laubach. But sometimes I think we forget that God's kingdom is still moving forward today. Jesus is about to teach us here in Matthew chapter 13 about the growth of his kingdom. And I invite you to turn there with me in your Bible right now. Matthew 13 is a series of seven parables that Jesus gives all about the kingdom of God. We're going to look at two of them today and two of them next week. Both of them very short today and very short next week. But here's what a parable is. A parable is something that is true about God, something that is true about his kingdom that is communicated through a very earthy illustration. Okay, so in the fabric of human life, here's something that you are familiar with, And through that illustration, I'm going to teach you, Jesus says, something about God in heaven, something about his kingdom. And through these two parables of this morning, he's going to teach us about God's kingdom and how it's still growing today. Matthew 13, starting at verse 31, just going through verse 33 this morning. Jesus told them another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven... Or the kingdom of God, remember those two terms are synonymous in Jesus' language. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds come and they perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. So I want you to remember our definition here that we've been using across this series, Citizens of Another Kingdom. The kingdom of God is the beautiful rule of God in the lives of ordinary men and women and children like us and also in systems that conform to the will of Jesus. Jesus. It's really anything that you would look at on earth and you would say, oh, that just looks like something that Jesus would want. As I read the Gospels of Jesus and I compare it to what I'm looking at in this family, that looks like something Jesus would want. Or I read the Gospels and I see what this business is doing and how it's helping people or it's prospering people. That looks like the way of Jesus. And on and on you can go through various systems All around us, we can expand the kingdom of God. I want to give you three simple principles from these two parables. And then, in addition to these three principles about the kingdom and kingdom growth, I also want to give one application on how we can be a part of kingdom growth ourselves. The first one is this. Kingdom growth is oftentimes imperceptible. You need to understand this. As you're looking at your own life, you're looking at your own family, you're looking at the people that you're seeking to disciple, Jesus is saying here in these two parables, the kingdom of God God growth is oftentimes very gentle, it's imperceptible at times, at times you don't even notice that it's happening. It imperceptibly grows from a very small seed that is implanted into a human heart, and that can lead ultimately to transformation, Jesus says the kingdom of God starts like a mustard seed. So I have here a mustard seed. Can you see it? Okay, you see the vial. You don't see the mustard seed in that vial. But he says the kingdom of God starts like this. Starts very small. But then eventually, over time, he says the kingdom of God becomes a mustard tree. Like this. And you look at this mustard tree coming out of this little mustard seed, and you understand why in first century Middle Eastern culture, the mustard seed took on, like, proverbial status. The mustard tree took on proverbial status because people were like, how is this possible that from such a miniature seed you have a tree like this? Now, even so, this idea of the kingdom of God coming as a little mustard seed would have been imagery my friends, that kind of would have disappointed Jesus' crowd. Because what they did not expect is that the kingdom of God would come in a small and imperceptible way. They didn't expect that it would come as a mustard seed. They expected that the kingdom of God would come like a vast army. And this vast army would establish the kingdom of God on earth as it, by force, took over the kingdom called the Roman Empire. And it would be a kingdom of God that would come by force, kicking tail and taking names. And Jesus says, No, it's not like that. My kingdom does not come by force. My kingdom comes in humility and in love. He didn't come mostly with power, He came mostly in a manger. And then He died upon a cross. And He came with love and grace and gentleness. And with conviction and with challenge as well, certainly with courage, with all of that, but he came with grace. And many people were not attracted to Jesus because he didn't come as a force the way they expected him to come, as a vast army to kick tail and take names. And you know what? Jesus was cool with that. He was all right with that because he didn't want to force his way on anything. What he wanted to do was invite people in and then slowly, gradually, almost imperceptibly bring about change for those who would submit to him, like a growing mustard seed. Now, I wonder, have you ever uh, planted grass seeds in your grass? Well, would you raise your hand with me if you've done that? Okay, you have like this little dark patch of brown that for whatever reason, it's dead. And you plant some new grass in there, and if you're like me, you water it, and then you water it some more. And day after day, you're looking at it, and you're like, come on, is anything happening here? Have you had that experience? You look at that for like a couple weeks, and maybe after a couple weeks, you stop watering it because you're convinced the seed that I planted in my patch of dirt is dead, and nothing is happening here. And then you back away from it. And amazingly, miraculously, three or four more weeks later, you have this soft, lush patch of new grass, and you say, how did that happen? Right? Because God is working things behind the scenes. This is what Jesus is talking about with the mustard seed as well. He's saying basically the same thing. Kingdom growth is happening even when you don't see it it begins in a humble manner. Same message Jesus gives repeatedly across the scriptures. If you turn forward just five chapters to Matthew chapter 18, you'll see Jesus, again, just the master teacher, he takes whatever is around him and he teaches from that and he sees in Matthew chapter 18, he knows that his disciples are arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest. They didn't quite get the analogy from the mustard seed. So they're arguing amongst themselves, I'm going to sit at Jesus' right hand in his kingdom. No, I am, because I'm better than you, John. No, I'm better, James says. And Jesus knows all this. And so in Matthew chapter 18, it says, uh, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, who then, Jesus, is the greatest in the kingdom of God? Is it me? Is it me? Jesus pick me. I'm the best. So Jesus notices a little child. And he calls a little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, truly I tell you, James and John and all the rest who are arguing about this, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Your pride will get in the way. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is actually the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, the kingdom of God starts small And just as some would perceive children as less significant because they're small and maybe worth less in terms of what they can offer to everyone around them, and just as people would see this mustard seed as small and insignificant, Jesus says that he will take a small child and he'll do great things. Amen? And Jesus says it'll take a small mustard seed And it will turn it into a great mustard tree. This is the nature of the kingdom of God. It begins in an imperceptible and gentle way, and then it grows. Number two, kingdom of God growth is happening right now. So we may not see it at times because it can be imperceptible and because it's oftentimes about a change of the heart, as we talked about when we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's more a change on the inside than it is a change on the outside. And so oftentimes, well, we don't see it, but I want you to know kingdom growth is happening right now. You can be very confident that kingdom growth is happening right now. By show of hands, who in this room has nearsightedness? Would you be willing to raise your hand and admit? To, okay, great, great. All right, nearsightedness, also called myopia right is that condition that you only kind of see what is around you just what's near to you i don't have to wear glasses for my nearsightedness i don't have myopia in terms of my eye vision but i do sometimes have myopia in terms of what god is doing around the world and my myopia is related to not noticing what he's doing outside of my little zip code anybody else Sometimes we can get so focused on what's happening right in front of us that we miss out on what God is doing in other places that we don't think about so much. And so I want to just share a few things with you that are really, really encouraging to me as it relates to the way God is continuing to work all around the world. You've probably heard that the percentage of Christians in America continues to decline. Have you heard that? And sadly, that's true. Like, study after study for the past decade indicates that the percentage of people who are identifying today in all different generations as Christ followers is decreasing. And at the same time, the percentage of people that is growing the most in terms of any religious identification is those who call themselves nuns. Now, I'm not talking about these kind of nuns that you saw, see up on the screen. I'm not talking about those kinds of nuns. Thanks for laughing with me. I know that was very dorky. <laughs> But I'm a dorky pastor, so deal with it. <laughs> okay, it's, it's not those kind of nuns. It's, it's people who listen to these religious surveys. They take a religious survey and they respond, no, I have no religious identification. I'm an atheist or agnostic or I'm just not interested. I'm a nun. And that by far and away is the fastest growing segment of people relative to religion in the United States today. And in my nearsightedness, I can begin to worry, even though I've been told not to worry. I can begin to worry, like, God, are you still working today? Is your kingdom still growing today? And friends, we either can worry about that or we can trust that God is still working today. That's our choice. We worry about it or we trust, and then we work with him toward the growth of his kingdom today. Let me share a few really encouraging uh, notes for me, at least On a global level. On a global level, not only Christianity, not only is Christianity failing to decline, it's actually increasing in number. Christianity on a global level in Africa and Latin America and Asia is growing so fast that across the globe, in spite of the fact that Christianity is decreasing in Europe and in North America, Christianity is increasing across the globe. It's going from 31% of the worldwide population to 32% in these past years, and it's expected to continue to grow in the years to come. At the same time, the proportion of humanity identifying as atheists or agnostics or nuns is declining right now across the world. And sociologists who study these things, secular sociologists noticing the way religion is changing in these different continents across the world, are saying this, that based on current trends, though 16% of the world population currently identifies as atheist or no religion at all, by 2050 they believe only 13% of the population will identify that way. Across the world, atheism, agnosticism, no religion at all, is decreasing while Christianity is increasing. Christianity is spreading so fast right now in China, for example, that experts believe that there will be more Christians in China than in the United States by 2030. Seven years. And they believe by 2050, China will be majority Christian by 2050. Can you say praise God for our brothers and sisters in China? I mean, God never stops working. He's working in communist China. Thank you, Lord. Or think about Iran. In 1979, there were an estimated 500 Christians in the entire nation of Iran, which is a very large nation in terms of its population, 500 Christians. The Islamic Revolution happened in 1980, and it transformed this relatively tolerant Muslim-majority country into a very oppressive regime. And women were deprived of their basic rights, and extreme imams grasped onto power, and public executions became commonplace. And into that, God did something in Iran. God used and expanded his kingdom in unprecedented numbers as many, many people left the oppressive regime of the Islamic Revolution and, sat and found refuge in Christ. And sprouting from the tiniest of mustard seeds, the Iranian church grew to what it is today from 500 followers of Christ to today hundreds of thousands of followers of Christ. And today in Iran, the Christian church is the fastest growing church in the entire world, right smack in the middle of the Muslim world. Now, I know they're like, the, it's just as an aside here, some people criticize Christianity for not really caring about diversity, but that's a fallacy, okay? Like, there are some Christians that sadly do not care about diversity, and sometimes in their myopic thinking, they don't really care about what's happening across the world. But the simple fact is, Christianity, my friends, is the most multinational, diverse, multicultural movement of God ever, it's the most multicultural, multinational movement across the world of any kind. God is working across the world in amazing ways today. He is, as we just sang, a way maker, right? He never stops working. Look at these beautiful lyrics, though, that we just sang. I hope you believe these. waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. You never stop working. Even when we don't see that he's working, he's still working. We can trust that God is working. He's working around the world. I believe he's still working here as well. Here's what it's going to look like someday. Revelation 7 speaks this. So the kingdom of God has already been consummated when Jesus came to earth. He said the kingdom of God is now among us. The kingdom of God is at hand. But when Jesus returns the second time, at the end of time, the kingdom of God will be completely Consummated. First, it's it's culminated now. It'll be completely consummated when Jesus returns. It'll be perfect at that time. And the Apostle John got a vision of what the kingdom of God will look like when Jesus returns. And it goes like this out of Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, John, the Apostle John, he looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every tribe and every nation and every people, and every language, standing there before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, which means what? Purity. They're totally forgiven. No matter what you've done, from first to last, whatever you did, whatever you're doing, whatever you will do, totally forgiven by God. Purity, dressed in the white robes of the Lamb, holding palm branches in their hands, and they cry out in a loud voice. Are they sitting on their hands, friends? Oh, no. They're worshiping like this. They're worshiping like this, and they're crying out with palm branches in their hands. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is what's coming. It's already begun. We get to be a part of it now, and this is what's coming. He never stops working. The kingdom of God is expanding right now all across the world and even here as well. Number three is this. Kingdom growth is transformational. transformational. So, the kingdom is growing now. The kingdom is growing oftentimes in imperceptible ways. And number three, kingdom growth is transformational. Look at verse 34 in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. And so also is the work of the Holy Spirit in us. You can't see the Holy Spirit, but the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells in you. And he immerses you. And you are forgiven. And he brings you into God's family. In which you say, Abba, Father. And he says, you are my daughter, you are my son. And he begins to change you. And what I want you to notice is that Jesus used this illustration. He says, a little bit of yeast that goes through 60 pounds of dough. You imagine a baker working a little bit of yeast through 60 pounds of dough. Is it going to happen like that? 60 pounds is going to take some time. It's a transformation that's going to take time. And it's going to have to sit there, and it's going to move for a while. And in the same way, I just want to encourage you. Some of us feel like transformation is not happening in us. Be patient. Transformation happens in God's people slowly but surely, subtly, over time. And he doesn't stop working. He continues on with us. Here's a good question to ask yourself from time to time. If you've been serious about your Christian journey, that you've been submitting to Christ, you've been seeking to obey him for many years, like it would be a really wise thing to pause from time to time and just ask this question, where has my life begun to change? How has God begun to change my character such that I look and I act a little bit more like Jesus? And because it happens so imperceptibly, You may not notice it, but if you stop and reflect about where you are now compared to where you were a decade ago, that can be an incredibly encouraging experience. Because God slowly brings about change. Or maybe, if you're like me and you're your own harshest critic, maybe you're that way, you need to talk to someone else about it. You talk to your spouse or you talk to a dear friend or someone in your life group who's known you for a long, long time, and you ask them humbly, where have you seen me begin to change through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? That might be a difficult question to ask, but maybe we would just go about kind of sharing those things with each other. And and like a lot of times, we don't notice that in ourselves. And so to get that encouragement from someone that we know is a big, big deal. We talked last week about worry, and I heard a number of people say after last week's message, I just feel like I will always be strangled by worry. I'll always be anxious. And I get that. But again, it's slow, oftentimes imperceptible change and we need to encourage each other to march on toward Christ and to slowly but surely see the transformation that he's bringing about in us because Jesus is about transformation. He wants to transform us and that's what we're about here. We're building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. So what is our role in growing God's kingdom? I've already hinted at a little bit of it But I want to share just a couple lines here. Our role in building Christ's kingdom, growing Christ's kingdom, can be summarized in this. Citizens of the kingdom quietly and positively impact everything. If you're taking notes, I hope you write this down. This is what citizens of the kingdom do. We quietly and positively impact everything that we touch. We orient our mind like Frank Laubach did around the kingdom of God as opposed to the kingdoms of this world and we ask the Lord, what is your will for me in this season? And how can I make a difference for you growing your kingdom more and more as I obey you in this season? Here's two things that we might specifically pursue him on. Number one is pray and submit to God's transformation. Pray and submit to God's transformation on a daily basis. Where can I be about your kingdom today? I submit to you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Here on earth, in my little zip code, as it's always done in heaven. What do you want to do in and through me? We'd be wise to pray that way on a daily basis and submit to God that way on a daily basis. Number two, pursue God's kingdom in your job and in your community. Like The primary ways that we engage the world are obviously through our family. We all know that. But then beyond our family which we all of course invest in, it's also through our community engagement whatever that might look like and of course through our job. Now I notice today that many people confuse power and volume for genuine Christian influence. I want to tell you that what Christ values is not power or volume. It's humility and love and positively, gently making a difference wherever you live. It's quiet servants who make a dent for the kingdom of God on a daily basis. It seems to me that the powerful and the loud might make a splash in culture, but it's humble and quiet servants that make a dent for the kingdom, and the two of them should not be confused. Friends, we tend to think about the kingdom expansion in terms of telling people about Christ, And that's certainly included in Kingdom Expansion, but it also includes just the way we serve our communities, by the way we serve our families, and by the way we do our jobs day in and day out. I wanna tell you that when you do your job with excellence and integrity and consistent love for all of your coworkers, it stands out. When you do your job in, in such a way that other people take notice, of how you love people, and the excellence with which you work, it actually gives evidence for your faith. And I'm convinced that almost any job can be done for the glory of God if we do so with a kingdom mindset. But like a really good exercise is to ask myself, how do I use my vocation, whatever it is, to tie together what the scriptures say about expanding the kingdom of God through my vocation. That I would do what God has called me to do for the glory of God. To make a difference in my field, wherever he might use me. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, and you remember that you're building a family of kingdom of God workers. Okay, like could anything be more powerful than that, than a family of kingdom of God workers? Maybe you're a host at the Holiday Inn, and you say, I'm going to provide the best hospitality in town. We are wise to think through our jobs with a kingdom of God perspective that perhaps we would be used more and more in them to slowly, gradually, but surely expand God's work for his honor, for his glory, and for the good of our community. I pray that in all this, we would never grow weary in doing good, as the Apostle Paul says, never grow weary in doing good. It's easy to grow weary in doing good, but we never grow weary in doing good because in the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We get to be a part of this kingdom that is growing. Through our witness of Christ's love, through our hands that serve in the community, through our jobs, through our vocations, and all those different areas, God invites us to be a part of his growing kingdom. Amen? What a blessing. Thank you for joining us this morning for a favorite message from Pastor Adrian Boykin from Carney E. Free. If you'd like to hear this message again or more like it, check out Heard on Air on the MyBridge Radio app or online at mybridgeradio.net.